0: Well, we're excited that you're here, uh, that you get to continue this kind of season of Advent that we've been walking through. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Rich. I'm the associate here, which means I get to preach sometimes. And then Dave asks, what do you want to do? And I get to pick, um, because he's nice that way. And then sometimes we argue, did I make the right decisions? And that's a different story. But we're walking through this idea of joy, and when I started this, I thought this would be great because there's all this stuff about joy out there and needing to put on joy and what this looks like, and I started with this image of where to go, and the scripture totally took me the other way, and so uh, this may not be what you want to hear about joy, Um, but I think it's God's truth, and I think it's the picture that we really need right now because I don't know about you, but I struggle with joy. I struggle in trying to see joy, in trying to look deep at joy, in trying to really uh, just let it be real. Um, Because I think often, especially in the COVID world, uh, we don't take the time to go deep into it. We don't take the time to really look at it, to let it just uh, come from its true source. And I think sometimes uh, we're just too busy uh, and perhaps we have some baggage that we have to deal with. And so uh, a little bit about my history of Christmas is I didn't really like Christmas. Uh, I grew up in a family that loved Christmas. Uh, we, had a, we were that house on the block with all the lights. Dad had created all of these cutouts of Santa and of the tin Soldiers and of Elves and Frosty. We were the family that called the police Christmas morning because someone stole Frosty. And when that's your dad trying to convince the officer that this is not a prank, um, it's kind of odd, but a fun story. But that joy of Christmas, I didn't quite understand because that joy of Christmas came with a lot of pain. Um, Putting up, hold on a sec, putting up all of those lights brought a lot of conflict to our household. Uh, Storing all of those Christmas joys took a lot of joy in the season away. Um, and often ended up with my dad at one side of the house still doing what he thought was joyous and me very angry in my room, not understanding how Christmas is full of joy. And we struggled growing up. And that tension just came out through the season. And I think we know that because right now, um, at least in my house, and I don't know about yours, but my kids are this full of enough of enough, and anything just seems to push them over the edge. And, and so when we try to talk about joy, they're just struggling with what that means. Um, and so I spent some time this week kind of really looking at what joy looks like, where it came from. And so I hope this is something that reaches you as well, because I definitely um, have a different view of it, and even a different view of my past, now kind of reflecting and even repenting of some feelings I've had across joy. Um, but let's pray, and then we'll turn to Luke chapter 2. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it even can correct those people who feel called to your your teaching, and we pray that you are in us today. Give us an ability to hear your word. Let your truth resound through us and correct any things I may need to be corrected on as we go. In your name we pray. Amen. So we are talking about joy and this is one of my favorite scriptures around Christmas. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out by out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy." that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sight for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. They brought great news, or good news, of great joy. Joy. There seems to be a debate in the world, at least in the, in the church world, about this idea of between joy and happiness, and what is the difference. And we try to kind of come at this and try to lift one up while saying this is a worldly view. And I want to disagree with quite a few of the theologians and pastors that that I looked at and say, I don't think they're right in making this distinction. That when we look at joy, we define joy as this feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And then when we define happiness, we define it as a feeling of great pleasure, gladness, and joy. And so we kind of make this circular reference. Um, Prior to listening to the call to come to the church and and pastor, I was an analyst at Nike and did a lot of computer work and programming. And we get to these things called circular references, which is where, if you love Excel as well, you have a function that is defined by two things inside of itself, and it just comes up with an error. And at some point, we would get like three months into this program and this idea, and we get this error, and we just it would blow it up, and we'd have to go back and try to understand it. And this is what it normally came back to, is we would try to define something by the same thing, and we just kept going in a circle, kind of like talking to kids some days. And and we get there, and it just doesn't make sense, yet we try to understand it. And so I think this isn't the right way for us to look at it. And if we look at Scripture, there are 16 verses where joy and happiness are used together, And as we look at the different versions, as we try to define things in the English language that most of us interpret Scripture through right now, at least in our culture, in in our community, uh, we start interchanging these things. And so maybe the question is not to worry about whether we need to lift one up and claim joy as a biblical word and use happiness to describe the world, but let's just recognize the truth and the real definition behind joy— let's try to understand how we need to respond to it. And then let's start to look at it. What do we do for those of us who struggle finding joy? And maybe trust that God's got a picture for that. David Murray wrote an article that talked about seven different types of happiness or joy that are out there. And I think we can all connect with these. We have the nature happiness or joy found in nature, right? This is joy that can be derived from creation, right? It's experienced through our physical sense of encountering God in the world around us, right? We can think about this as finding that perfect sunrise, right? That snowflake on your nose, that first leaf that falls. Maybe those are my joys, right? But there's a a joy we get out of nature. There's social happiness and joy, right? Joy that can be derived from relationships with people, right? We get to find this with our family and friends. It's something we're missing right now, right? But it's experienced through that relational connectivity we have with people, right? That almost electric thing that happens when we get together near someone else that just lights us up, right? Whether we want to say we're a people person or not, we still like people. We have vocational happiness. Well, we try to, right? And we know there's toil in work, but there's also this joy we get out of work, right? When your boss says, well done, right? You get the kudos, the, the, the congratulations, or just that satisfaction knowing it was a good day of work, right? Maybe that energy spent out. Today, for my kids, they need to experience this a little more because they're just sitting still. But there's that joy that's there. We have physical happiness, right? Found in being strong or fit or healthy. I'm 40 now, and so I look back to my prime, and I can say, I remember when I could run that fast. It didn't hurt when I did that. Someday I'll be able to do that again, and I don't think I'm ever getting back there. But there's this overall joy with our, our body when it's working well, right? And, there's, and this really comes in when, and as an intense joyness when, for some of us, we've experienced that joy of overcoming an illness or a sickness or an injury, right? That that recovering, we recognize There's joy in that, even though it's out of difficulty. There's joy intellectually, that uh, from our mind working and processing. Think of that time you taught something to your grandkid or your child, or maybe even the stranger, right? We love that feeling of passing along knowledge, or even being able to solve a problem for someone, right? And getting it right, not wrong right? That's joyful in there. And then this this one about just humor, that there's joy in laughter, that God created humanity to have an incredible sense of humor. Humor is not part of the fall, right? But it's part of his creation, right? And although our world around us has kind of made humor a little bit crude and vulgar, and there's a different type out there, there's still a healthy, holy humor that we can enjoy, right? Just think back to the last laugh you heard of a child, right? There's, there's happiness in that. But as we look as, at these different types of happiness, they're all areas of joy that any one of us can enjoy. Common grace affords all of them to us, regardless of our position, our status, our place with God, whether you want to accept him as the creator or you want to deny him, we can all enjoy what he has made, right? Common grace is the sovereign grace that God bestows upon all mankind, regardless of that status, right? And grace is to receive something that you didn't earn. We didn't, we didn't earn creation. It was there for us, Right? And whether God sees you as his believer or not, he extends this to us. Psalm 145 says this, The Lord is good to all, and he has compassion on all he has made. Compassion to let us experience what he's made. To let us experience love in a relationship, in laughter of a child. Matthew 5 says, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun is an incredible thing, and it warms us. Rain that helps food grow is incredible, and we don't limit that to just God's chosen or the believer. We give food to anyone in need. And that's part of his plan. And Luke says, For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Regardless of how you want to receive that common grace and that goodness he's given to us, creation, relationships, joy, all of that, it's still there. Common grace joy, though, is limited. Since it's given to all, it's limited in that we don't look deeper to see his fingerprints, his design, or his plan for its use. And it's really limited to our experiences, right? Uh, My wife wants to go see the Northern Lights. She is not satisfied with that picture or that video of it, but she wants the joy to go see it for herself, she was really upset when the clouds came in, and we couldn't do this. We were supposed to be able to see this in Oregon just the other day. Right? But our, jo- our joy is limited by our experience. We, we draw- desire to go see that, but unless we've seen it, that joy is not the same. Right? It's just a picture of what's been there. We're also impacted by our most recent interactions, Right? Think back to that last argument you had with your wife, or your kids, or, or that thing you messed up, right? I know my, my marriage doesn't really feel, feel good, or like it's joyous after that fight, if we leave it there. If we just let it be about relationships and what we get out of each other, then we're stuck waiting for what happens next to feel joy again because joy is tied to our next experience, right? Our joy is limited because our hope is limited to what we have seen ourselves in the last time we experienced it, which kind of makes us kind of joy junkies and we try to put something else in there, right? Some of us experience, you go to the coast because we're just a little bit away, right? And and you were there last week and there was this incredible sunset and you got to watch it. And then this week we go back and try to re-experience that, and it's cloudy, right? Or it's way too cold. <laughs> right? And we desire to have that new joy feeling. Some of us feed that joy with food, with drink, with whatever other thing you want to put in there. Like I'll tell you, my my greatest joy is for me is experiencing creation. And I love to go hunt, and when it's not a great hunt, I, I want to go back. We want to create it again. Right? And that's the problem, is we try to recreate our own joy. But things don't always work that way. We live in a broken world and we're not going to be able to do all of those things ourselves. But there's one more type of joy spiritual joy that's listed. That's the joy that these angels brought to the shepherds in the field. Good news of great joy. Stealing this from Piper, but spiritual joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he, the Holy Spirit, causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world and in the word, or in the word and the world. So first, joy is an emotion. It's a feeling that just happens to us. It's an uncontrolled thing of our body engaging our souls. All right? So I want you guys to think back. And maybe this is me because I enjoy creation. But you're sitting on the beach. We're on the Pacific. So that's a sunset. And we watch the sun goes down. And you have that warmth and those tingles. You know, and maybe that's a hug from your kids that's not based on, you know, them wanting something, but them just loving you. That happens sometimes. But there's that tingle we get, that joy. That same feeling I get happens when I go in the woods and I get lost, and I don't know exactly which way is back, and I get those tingles and that warmth in my body. And I turn around sometimes, and there's a bear print sitting in my footprint that I knew came after, uh, because I didn't walk on top of it, because I would have thought that was cool. Um, Instead, I get tingles and warmth. But because my soul engages my body, my soul tells me the difference between a joyous feeling and you should be scared. Right? It's that immaterial part of us that let us, lets us engage our body and know what it's really meaning. Right? And so uh, it is a good feeling in the soul Right, produced by the Holy Spirit. If you were with us for the last sermon series, we walked through Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And Galatians says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Spirit is what creates joy in us. So if we want to think we can create it, if we can put it on, if we want to think we can manage this true spiritual joy, is going to be what happens in us and doesn't happen to us. And this joy is produced by the Holy Spirit as the Spirit causes us to see the beauty of Christ. John 16 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He, that's the Spirit, will guide you into all truth. For the Spirit will not speak on His own authority, but whatever the Spirit hears, the Spirit will speak, and the Spirit will declare to you the the things that are to come. The Spirit will glorify me, Jesus, for the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit's role is to guide us to help us see God's fingerprints in the world around us, to intercede on our behalf, to help us see God's redemptive plan in the world. And through all of the things that he's made for everyone else, yet we get to see deeper into them. And we count it all as joy, my brothers, when we meet trials of various kinds. Because as we see the beauty of Christ in both the word and the world, we look at the world differently than the world does. Right? This is why sometimes we get looked at oddly when out of pain, out of trial, out of struggle, out of our deepest, darkest places, we can still have joy and look forward with hope and love people when others would say, give up that it's limited. There's nothing true there. And it's wrong, because there is. This is why we can look at creation at a sunset and not be limited by the picture of it. But we see God's creation as the creator behind it. This is why as when we're married and there's a, a a a conflict, difficulty, we're not limited by that event, but we look past that to see how we're called to be created, how we're called to live in relationship, how God loved us first. This is why after some people wake up after a life-saving surgery, they don't feel so good still. But we can recognize that we have a transformed heart, that God has given us more than this mortal, earthly body to be happy and joyous about. Right, this is that joy that sustains us, that flows out of us. So what do we do with it? How do we respond? Back in Luke, this is what happened. And suddenly... When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. As we respond, as we receive joy, we need to recognize where it comes from, right? The angel's just glorify God with this announcement of great joy, because it came from God and not them. As we look at our joy, we need to recognize, is it coming from us? Is it limited to us? Or are we moving through that to recognize that joy comes from the Spirit given to us by our Savior? that it's about more than just how we feel inside. We need to test it. The shepherds heard that good news and they went to see it for themselves. I think this is where joy for me ran short for Christmas, is that I would receive that joy and just let it be happy happiness of the season, or difficulty of the season. When we push past that, we see the truth that's there. And so perhaps for some of us, we need to dig a little deeper into where joy is coming from. To test its source, to validate it back to the scriptures, and what we can prove, again, through his word to know that it's true? Are those things we're doing to receive and to make joy happen in us, are those real things of joy or are those just worldly things of joy? And then we need to treasure it and proclaim it. Mary treasured up all of these things. Joy is to be remembered. So that as we experience difficulties, as we experience trials, we can fall back on those memories knowing that they're not just a picture of the past and something we need to recreate, but knowing the true joys in them pointing us in a hope to the future. Romans 15 says this, May God, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may be abounding in hope. God fills us with joy. He fills us with joy to bring an abounding hope because it's not tied to us or to what happens to us, but it's tied to him and what he's doing. And that joy is what allows us to look forward. That's the joy that allows us to not be tied to the current condition. That's the joy that brings hope in tomorrow. And then just like those shepherds, we've got to proclaim it as a pastor likes to hear, say here, show your face, right? Put on your happiness. If it's in you, let it come out. When we think about common joy, right? When we saw that great sunset or the sunrise or the picture, we snap a photo and we put it on the internet. We proclaim all of these great things that are out there. So why don't we do the same thing with true joy? Instead of limiting it to just what that picture was, drive it further and proclaim the truth that these joys come from God and nothing we can do. That it's a joy that's produced in us and not something I can go purchase or create myself. So let's be honest, most of us struggle with joy. Putting it on, of being willing to go look deeper into this. And it's Christmas, and the season about us is constantly about how do you get more joy? What new toy, what new vehicle, what thing do I need to bring me joy for this season? And then we know what happens. The kid likes the box instead of the present, right? We, we get to Easter, we get to the summer, and we need a new thing. Or it comes out of the box, and it worked for a minute, and it broke. Right? We're constantly in this cycle about trying to create joy. But if true spirit, joy comes from the spirit and not us, and you can't buy it, you can't grow it, it just comes out of you by the power of the spirit. So we probably need to look a little deeper at what's going on. So first we need to recognize its source. Like we actually need to put some time and effort into thinking of our joy, our happiness, or sorrow, or struggle, and understand where is it rooted? What's providing that? Is that true joy based on the spirit or is that worldly joy? And then we should test it. Because with joy, there's no buyer's remorse. When my dad passed, I bought this gorgeous baby blue truck because I thought it would make me happy. And it did for a while. It was a long bed. It had four doors. It was lifted. It didn't fit in my garage. It didn't fit in my driveway. I no longer needed a ladder, because I could just walk up my truck to get on the roof. When I went to the woods, I didn't play in the mud, because something might scratch my new truck. When I parked in the parking lot at the store, one, I didn't fit in one spot, so I needed to park way far away so that no one Well, one, so I would fit and not feel bad. But really, so no one would touch my truck with their door. That truck no longer brought joy, but trial and struggle. True joy doesn't bring any of that. True joy rests in Christ, rests in knowing that there's nothing we do to get there. That's the interesting thing about the Christian faith. It's the only faith that allows us to come to God with absolutely nothing of value and be transformed by him. You don't need to fix yourself. You don't need to find joy. You don't need to find love or hope. But we come to faith and Christ puts those things in us through the Spirit. Through what he's done, through his life, death, and resurrection, it's his work and not our own, that lets us experience joy, that gives us life. And so as we test our joy, if Jesus isn't the center of your joy, then your joy is really self-focused. Your joy is pointing you back to things of this world and not to his truth. And then, of course, we need to treasure and proclaim it. The joy we feel today and the joy we put the time into understanding is going to be the joy that allows us to go forward, that's going to get us through the difficulties and have hope for tomorrow. And we need to challenge ourselves to make sure that our hope is still looking forward. Because even if we have treasured up hope and joy, but it's only rooted in the past, then we're going to struggle because what we're going to try to do is use this place, use our faith to recreate the past because we know that we had joy back then. We're going to make the good old days come back because that's when it was joyous if we just recreate all of what happened. And here's the problem. We've all grown older. We've all experienced things. Our children are different. So recreating those things is not going to help But if we turn to Christ and we see the truth that joy isn't about what he is bringing and the work he is doing in us and through us, all through him, then that's a joy we can look forward to. And then again, we have to proclaim that. If we just keep it locked in, we're We're going to explode. Things under pressure explode. And so that joy should come out. So let it come out. So let's turn to application and action. This week, pray for insight. I really want you to question whether you are going deep enough. Are you resting just on that picture of the sunset, of that past experience, good or bad? Or are you moving it deeper to find true joy founded in Christ, produced by the Spirit? Whatever joy that you come up with, turn to the Scriptures to test it. If you think what you're doing is the right thing, validate it. Make sure it is. Reflect on what you've been treasuring. Perhaps we need to redefine our joy with the correct view that it's produced in us by the Spirit to show us who Christ is both in the Word and the world. I tell you this week, I had to go back and do this. Because my joy was based on my memories of my dad. It was memories of what happened. That's not an okay thing because I short-sighted the joy of the season, the joy of what my father was doing. Because he was doing those things trying to point me to Christ. I just had difficulty accepting and seeing it. And to be honest, that he wasn't perfect like I wasn't. (laughs) And then go and proclaim it. If this is the season of joy, right, as we walk through Advent, the idea of a week spent on a hope and love and joys is a desire for you to spend the week comp- like actually walking through this, that it's not limited to just today. And these should build on each other as we're going because our, our joy is rooted in a hope. Our joy lets us really see that God loves us. So share that. I work with you, so I need to give you a challenge. <laughs> what if you shared your joy with 100 people this week? 100 people. If you only get 1% on this test, Dave and I will be happy. And we will give praise to God for the work that's going on. All right? We should share our joy with those around us. Again, joy not rooted in us, joy that just doesn't limit it to the things everyone can experience, but a joy gifted to us, gifted to us by the Spirit, by Christ our Lord, because it's been good news of great joy. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your Son in this season, for the good news of Of great joy that he brings us. And Lord, as we're struggling with joy, let us us see the truth of your word that if, if we can't find joy, then the diagnostic says something is standing in the way of that. Maybe that's because we haven't really accepted your son and the joy that he offers. And so Lord, give us the time this week to evaluate your word, to trust and the love you have for us in your son, Jesus. And Lord, if we have faith in Christ, if we have that spirit in us and we're still not feeling joy, then Lord, convict us of what's standing in the way because sin and idols and conflict will hinder our ability to experience that joy. And so Lord, we pray that you will turn us around. You will let us see what is standing in the way. Let us repent of it through the great gift of your Son and turn and experience the true joy that you offer us. In your name we pray. Amen.